Welcome to the Jackie Service Show. I'm Jackie Service, where we are talking all things people strategy, entrepreneurship, and how hiring the right humans will unlock the next phase of growth in your business. As a former corporate VP of HR, my life completely shifted when I learned I had a brain tumor. From this moment forward, I knew that there was more. I dove headfirst into healing, mindset work, and spirituality. And from this space, my entrepreneur journey was born. Now I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency, a boutique recruitment firm that helps scaling companies hire aligned leaders for growth. In this podcast, I'm going to share about my business journey, entrepreneurship, leadership, and how hiring the right humans unlocks massive potential. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Jackie Service Show. Today, we're doing things a little bit differently. My girlfriend, Jessica Glazier DeRose, and I sit down live in Arizona for a coffee conversation where we really have an opportunity to dive into each other's stories. Jess is the third episode of a series I am doing that I am so passionate about. It is all about women who inspire me that have made the big leap, have made these big choices in their life to really go after what lights them up inside. As you listen, you are going to hear that Jess moved from being a elementary school phys ed teacher to a multi-million dollar business owner. Her story is inspiring to so many, myself included, and I am so grateful that I get to call Jess a friend and somebody that I get to reach out to on a weekly basis. So I hope you enjoy this one as we dive right in to the episode with Jess Glazier DeRose introducing herself and us taking turns, just having fun over a cup of coffee, spending our day together live in Arizona. Cheers. I am Jess Glazer DeRose. I'm the CVO, the visionary officer and founder of Digital Business Evolution, as well as the Digital Business Evolution podcast host. And my team and I help people take their lived experience, their expertise, their skill set, and turn it into digital education. So whether it's course creation, coaching programs, ebooks, memberships, masterminds, and anything in between, that's that's what we do. Amazing. Yeah. Jackie Service, I am a people strategist and founder of Serve Recruitment Agency. We help CEOs and entrepreneurs, growth businesses find epic humans to fill their executive seats and really unlock the next phase of growth in their business. I love it. So all things people, all things people, all things digital online business. Yeah, which is the world that we live in together. And that's how we met. It is. Through a digital business mastermind in 2019. 2019 in California. And you were one of those humans that instantly when my eyeballs connected with you, it was like there was an electric current yes. of, oh, this woman I have done life with before yes. and whatever life we had done it with, there was a complete soul connection almost instantly, at least on my end. <laughs> this is so awkward. This is really weird if you have to tell me that that wasn't your case. But anyways, I'll just have a sip of coffee. And... But it was, it, it was. was, it was truly that. And it was just like, oh, I know you, yeah. I've been here. I don't know if you remember when we stayed in an Airbnb together at that mastermind, I got there from the Uber ride and I rolled my suitcase through a, a big thing of dog poop. Do you remember that? I 
to now. It was dark, wasn't it? Like yes. you, you got there late. Yeah. Um, we were in a little bit of a, an interesting neighborhood in Marina Del Rey, or was it Venice? Venice. 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 And um, yeah, Jess came rolling in, and she brought the shit with her, literally. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That was so fun. It was fun. I love that. It was so good. You know, one of the things when we first met, one of the things that struck me so quickly was that you were this woman, one, you are confident AF and you just exude this passion and charisma and this energy of service. And when I started to learn more about your story of coming from being a teacher into what you do today in entrepreneurship, I just felt like I was blown away by your story. And so I know you introduced yourself with all the great things you're doing, but talk about your story a little bit and what that transition felt like for you. Well, this is fun. This is so interesting. Both of us are doing a shared podcast episode together and we haven't done that yet. So I'm like, well, I want to turn it back to you. Tell me about your story. <laughs> It'll be a little back and forth. We actually think we're starting a new series called yes. Jackie and Jess's Coffee Chats. Cheers. So welcome to the first episode. <laughs> Um, let us know in the comments if you'd be interested. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a little bit about my story. You know, when people read my bio, it sounds like really sexy and flashy, and it's got some cool things written in it that it, it's true. I have done the things that are in my bio, but really, if we go back to, we could go really far back. I dropped out of my doctorate program when I was in school to be a physical therapist. I then lived on my brother's couch for a year in New York mm -hmm. City, working in the fashion industry. And then I went to my plan C, which my parents had sort of lovingly encouraged me, encouraged me to get this uh, fallback degree in teaching. So yeah. I spent eight years working as an elementary school phys ed teacher. And the entire time I was a phys ed teacher, I loved it. Phys ed, elementary school, super fun. Parachutes and scooters, like it's amazing. And I didn't feel fulfilled. So the entire time that I was a teacher, I had gotten into Tony Robbins and I was going to events yeah. and I got into network marketing and I was really diving into personal development. This was in my early 20s, healing from an eating disorder, like just went down that path and started to see that there was another way. So I come from a family of doctors, lawyers, accountants. Okay. And so it was not an option. I didn't know what an entrepreneur was until I was like 31. Right. It was not an option. Right. But what I knew was I wasn't fulfilled. And so I'd get home at 3.25. Mike, my husband, would get home at 9 o'clock at night from the mm -hmm. living the American dream, right? He was commuting yeah, into New York City, suit and tie. We lived in the you know, beautiful home that we're completely house poor, living paycheck to paycheck. And, and it was great. It really was. It was great. But between 3.25 and 9 o'clock at night, I just started doing all these like little side hustle things, never to make money, never to be an entrepreneur. It was... Oh, I wish I had this, so I created it. Oh, I can help more people, let me do that. And it really started in 2012. I was doing bodybuilding competitions and my coach was in Massachusetts and I was in New Jersey. So I was paying her virtually and she would send me every month workout programs and macros. Mm. And at the time I had been a trainer for about 11 years and I was okay. like, wow, wait a minute, I can do this too. So I hit up all my friends from high school and college who no longer lived near me. I said, do you want me to train you online? And what a concept, what year is this? 2012. 2012 that became a thing in 2020 with the pandemic but in yeah. 2012 you're like way before the times of yeah was, how people thought about getting trained absolutely it was definitely an early adopter moment and i didn't yes. think of it as a job so my friends would write me 79 dollars checks like snail mail <laughs> through the mail and then i would email them their workout programs i had no payment processor set up like i had nothing mm -hmm. but at that time 2012 to 2017 it was just all different iterations of, oh, cool, people are blogging, and now people are doing Facebook groups for free and paid Facebook groups. And I don't know if you remember the app Periscope. 
I do. Wow. Okay. Yes. So I was on Periscope. It was like a video conferencing app where I would do lives once a week. And so I just started dabbling in things that I saw other people doing. And I think I was making $300 a month, you know, mm -hmm. maybe on a good month up to a thousand, but I had not even come close to replacing my income. But it was a podcast that I listened to in October of 2016 mm -hmm. that really got me to quit my job. What podcast was it? Now I need to know. You know, I'm like 99% sure it was 2016, so it was probably Lewis House. You and I both. I know. The interesting thing was you and I were both at Summit of Greatness the exact same years. And we met. Years later. Years later. I know. Because we both talk about that event being a pivotal moment in our lives yeah. and the connections we made at those events. A lot of them are still friends today. I wonder if we're in each other's pictures, like in, in the, the background. <laughs> Just creeping. I'm going to go back and look. Me too. Wow. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it was Lewis because that's who I was listening to every day, all yes. day. And it was a man interviewing a woman. She was a teacher and she sold jewelry on Etsy, which I went to fashion school. So I too sold jewelry and she wanted to leave her job, but like pension benefits, summer's off. Yeah. Right. So he said, if you gave yourself one year on Etsy to make the jewelry thing work and it doesn't work out, what would be your worst case scenario? So she said, I'll go back to teaching. I've been mm. doing it for a decade. I know I could get a job. And his answer changed our entire life. He said, oh, how does it feel to wake up every day and live in your worst case scenario? Oh my God. So I just like, I pulled the car over, I was bawling. I texted Mike, I said, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And that night we started to plug numbers and figure things out. And about three weeks later, I walked into my principal's office and resigned with no plan other than I'm burning the boats. I'll do whatever I have to do. Ego is my biggest overhead. If I can remove my ego mm -hmm. and take a job that I think I'm above or, or beyond or too old for, again, I'm like 32 at the time, adult with a mortgage then I can do it. I can figure it out. And so yeah. for me, I didn't jump and like grow my wings. I wasn't brave. I was in so much pain and discomfort that I felt I had no other choice. Mm. There's so much there that we can unpack. My, my curiosity for you is you left a job that for external people looking in had security and safety in it. And all of a sudden you transition into I'm burning, I'm burning all the boats or bridges and I'm going to start something completely different. How did that impact you? Like, how did it impact you when other people were like, wait, what are you doing? Yeah. And you just pardon, You're, yeah. you just left your teaching job, you quit. Like, was that a factor in that transition for you? Did that make it difficult? It's interesting. It was for the two years before I quit. Okay. So I had wanted to leave for about two years and I was so worried about specifically my parents whom I know they're listening and watching and they've, they know we this. We love you, we've mom and dad. The, yeah, so much. We've shared this story. They know this, but I was so worried that I was going to disappoint them mm. or that they wouldn't, you know, not that they wouldn't support me. They would just be like, oh, that's not probably a good choice. We, don't, we disagree with you. And I didn't want that to be the case. So I'd waited for about two years. The moment that I actually decided, it was such a clear, definitive, Mike and I had had the discussion. We decided it was going to happen. So I drove over to my parents' house, my childhood home, and I sat them down at the kitchen table to tell them. And I will never forget, and I am so grateful for them. My dad looked me dead in the face, and I thought it was going to be him that was not disappointed, but just like, oh, this doesn't Concerned. seem safe. Yeah. yeah. And he looked at me, he said, you never went to school to be a teacher anyway. Oh. And I was like crying. I'm like, I didn't. You there was probably an internal knowingness yeah. that there was something more for you always. Yeah. And they always knew I would leave. Yes. And I left my job. It was great, mm -hmm. but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted mm -hmm. to do. I just was good at it and it made sense. And I coached at the high school. I used to be, at, you know, my old high school, I was the gymnastics coach there for 10 years. Like it just, it all made sense, but it wasn't what I wanted necessarily. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. I think the backstory is really helpful because fast forward to today, right? The headline news with Jess Glazier is teacher turns entrepreneur and makes a million dollars in 18 months. Yeah. That's the headline news. So sexy. It's so sexy. And sometimes we miss the like raw years that led up mm -hmm. to that really cool headline, which is true. And yeah. it, it creates a movement for me. It created a movement for me to realize that somebody else had done this. It's possible, right. which I love. And I'm grateful for you for that. I'm curious when you hear that headline, talk to me about like where you are today and that transition from, I left teaching, I'm training people online. People are sending me snail mail. I'm making 300 bucks a month. Now I'm a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a leap. <laughs> it, it was, but it was a lot. I mean, that was five years of yeah. that stuff behind the scenes. So the 18 months starts from when I quit my job. Okay. Still okay. really cool. Super it, cool. Wildly impressive. You know, there was a deep knowing inside. Like I always knew that it would happen. I didn't mm. know how. Um, I just knew that it would. And I thought that it was going to be through the vehicle of, of network marketing. Because okay. I had gotten into network marketing and you said you, you see evidence in other people and you can borrow that belief. And so for me, that's what I held on to. And I would walk into school and I would tell the other teachers that I worked with how I was going to be a millionaire. And they would laugh at me because we made $50,000 a year. At eight years in, I was making $50,000. Yeah. So it didn't conceptually make sense. But I was borrowing the belief going to these events, seeing people walk across stage making a million dollars, you know, selling shakes or whatever. And so I just took that and I was like, well, if he can and she can, then I, yes. I know I can. And I really did think it was going to come from network marketing. I didn't think that it was going to be something that I necessarily built myself. Um, but when people even say that headline, yeah, the 18 months starts when I started entrepreneurship full time. Okay. But I had already been trying things for five years. I hired my first business coach in 2014. Mm -hmm. So bef two years before I quit teaching, I had already worked with a coach. Um, so there's just like a lot of pieces to it. Where I am today makes no sense. And I share the quote all the time, Steve Jobs, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back and you have to trust Amen. that they'll appear. So I really see them as stepping stones, right? And we're like going across this river, these little breadcrumbs. Looking back now, it makes sense. Even things like fashion, fashion school, like it makes sense now and, and going and being a teacher and doing all these things and being in the fitness industry. At the time though, it was confusing. It didn't make sense. If you told, if you would have told me five years ago that I'd be teaching business stuff, I would have thought you were crazy. I've never taken a formal business or marketing class in my life other than now, you know, what self-learned podcast books, masterminds, etc. So and running a company, like having employees, I didn't come from that world. Yeah. So I'm just here now because I've continuously just said, yes, I've tried things. I've mm -hmm. failed more times than maybe somebody listening. And that's what we tell our clients all the time. We graduated our 16th class today of our signature program. And you know, some of them, yeah, cheers, cheers to, that, to that. Right. And some of them had what we call silent launch. It's mm. bad luck if you don't sip it. It is. So a silent launch is essentially they launched and no one purchased and it's just like, I've had more silent launches than you. That's, that's, that's the only, I'm not better. Like I'm just further along. I've just had more silent launches. I've put more things out. I've made more mistakes. I've invested in more rooms. And so, yeah, I'm proud of myself. I really am. I'm proud of myself. And I know that this is just the beginning. It is. But I'm also like not putting a ridiculous amount of pressure on myself either to like build something. I don't have, I don't have to be Sarah Blakely. She's incredible. And what she's built is mm -hmm. incredible. I don't have to be that to be worthy. Amen. Amen. And today, just to give con like to give a little bit of detail into your team, today, 
Mm. You are. Are you going to audit me live right now? <laughs> My armpits are sweating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just keep it real simple. Like, how many people are on your team? Okay. And like, <laughs> I can do this. What, what's, I can do this. The, what's the business structure yeah. right now? Yeah. Like, what does your business look like today? Yeah. So I'm the CVO, the visionary officer. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I don't I know. Lo- if that's I love. A good, I love a good title. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I'm the founder. I'm the head coach yes, and are. very much the face of the the brand and the business. But I'm not the CEO. I don't want to be a CEO. I don't have tasks like a CEO. So I'm the CVO, the visionary officer, and the founder. Um, and then we have really five on our executive team. So we have the, we have an integrator who's our COO. Mm-hmm. And then coming down from there, we have three departments. We have the head of growth. That's anything mm-hmm. before the sale. We have operations, which of course is like HR, legal, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then we have su- success, customer fulfillment, right. right? And that's going to be anything after the sale. So we have five main executive leadership team kind of pieces or seats. And then we also have a staff of 14 different rotating, some are, some stick around and then some are rotating positions for coaches. So mm-hmm. we have a coaching staff. Yeah. I love that. I read a quote one day that talked about entrepreneurship and that a piece of our job or a big piece of our job is to create jobs for others. Yes. And I love that yeah. because if we think about had Jess not taken the steps that she has invested in herself and done the risky things and said yes to rooms that maybe terrified you and continued to push through a lot of the fear and a lot of the inner dialogue, we wouldn't be sitting here having coffee chats with Jackie and Jess <laughs> talking about the fact that you, that you have five executives, 14 other people who by the work you do, you're impacting all of their lives. And think about the ripple yeah. that that creates in the world. Yeah, but you said something earlier and, I, and I'm excited to bring this over to you. You made a statement before, something around like the certainty and security of yeah. a traditional nine to five job versus this uncertainty in entrepreneurship. And what happened in 2012 to 2015, 16, when I was doing a lot of personal development work, and sort of introduced to Tony and, and Dr. Mm-hmm. Joe. Oh, Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe. Um, I started to recognize that actually one of my core drivers, one of my core needs is uncertainty. Ah. Yes, and variety. Oh, I love this. Hence, you know, moving every two and a half years, living in an RV for 14 months, not living anywhere longer than two weeks in the RV. And so when I realized that teaching was draining me because the security of teaching, while it's beautiful, and there are days that I'm like, man, it would be nice to just have a steady paycheck coming in and have a boss. But the the merry-go-round of like, oh, we're here again, school fair, back to school night, mm-hmm. field day, all this stuff was very boring to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not wrong or bad, but what's important is knowing yourself. And yes. so when I realized that the certainty and the security was draining my energy, I live for roller coasters, mm-hmm. right? And entrepreneurship is a roller coaster sure where is. you have like <laughs> the highs and the lows and the lows are awful, they're terrible. And you're like, please just be done with the low. But if you can use the momentum that you come from the drop yeah. to get yourself back up the hill again, because yeah. at one point you got there from a dead stop, right? Yes, you went did. up the hill from a dead stop. And when I realized that that's, that variety and uncertainty is actually, for me, burning the boats, that is that, that feels good. For some mm. people, or bridge, you said, burning the bridge would give some people It could be the boat or the bridge, it doesn't right? matter. We're burning shit, okay? We're, we're burning things. <laughs> but that could like really cause stress and anxiety yeah. for someone. For me, it's like a thrill. Mm. I'm like a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, you and I both. Yeah, so I'm like, mm. I love that uncertainty. And when I gave myself the permission, when I understood that, to go all in on that, that's when I quit my job. Ah. And so when you're talking even about team and you're talking about scaling and 
really entrepreneurship and creating jobs for other people, not everybody wants that. Yes. And there's so many people that I work with that actually just want to be, and I don't say just in a derogatory way, but they just want to be a mm -hmm. solopreneur. They just okay. want to have a job but be their own boss, and a lot of people are doing that. So if the exit isn't, the strategy is not to sell one day, the strategy is, I just don't want a job, I don't want a nine to five, mm -hmm. you can be your own boss and literally work 40 hours a week and clock in, clock out and retire at 60. And it's great, you know, you have you have a small business that you're running, so not everybody wants a team. Yeah, And I didn't, I didn't know at first if I did or not. And here we are. And here we are. Yeah. And that's been the hardest part for me, is team. Has it? It's not the team, it's the leadership. Ooh. Yeah, because we're not, you, you don't just get to become a leader magically. No, you don't. <laughs> leadership is not like a, a knight. Like, yes, yes, she gets it! <laughs> Although I could do that if you want. I can get the knife out. I don't know where I have it. But. Yeah, well, that was a rude awakening. Yeah. It's like, oh, just because I hired someone, full or part-time, doesn't matter. That doesn't make me a leader. Just because I have a lot of followers, which I don't, doesn't make me a leader. Just because mm -hmm. I made X amount of dollars, I don't, I don't become a leader. Mm -hmm. So that, over the last couple of years, has been a rude awakening. And I am the bottleneck. I'm the cog in the wheel. Mm -hmm. And the more I'm learning that, the more I get to do work on myself too, because it's, it's an ego thing. It's a control thing, right? And so you learn through through doing, and there's there's clarity and contrast. <laughs> oh gosh, I could pull at that leadership string a I little bit here. I want you to take it on a little. So talk about leadership. When you, I would almost love to know, what is the, when you think about leadership, what is the definition of leadership to you now? Because I think that's gonna start the conversation, how I can dig in. Mm. I have a lot, I mean, there's a lot of pieces. I don't have a well, no one's asked me this before, so I don't have like a well. No, it doesn't need to be like, sentence. let's just ideate together and brainstorm yeah. what we think leadership is. I mean, leadership for me, there's definitely like ideas that come in, right? There's like a visionary aspect. There's a willingness to go first and to raise your hand first and to like make those mistakes. But what I've learned over the years is that leadership is more about how can I support my team to bring in ideas? Yeah. How can I support my team to foster their unique strengths? And so. I think there's a misconception of leadership and I'm just, I, I'm a very visual person. So right now I'm like seeing someone getting carried on a, on like a, you know, when they carry you in, they like feed me grapes and they're fanning you. What, yeah. Like, like Aladdin. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm and like picturing people, Aladdin. Exactly. People think that like leadership is like, I'm sitting on the board and my, my people yeah. are carrying me. It's like, no, no, no. You're so confused. Like leaders eat last. It's actually the opposite. It's the opposite. Yeah. Like leaders eat last. I want my people to go through the dark tunnel first and make sure that my team is there safe and I'm in the back and I'm like making sure that everybody is in line and no one's getting left behind and everybody's getting fed. I'm just casting the vision to the front. And what I've realized is, and we've, we recently did a physical game with this, but imagine there's five of us or 10 of us or 14 of us, like hands on shoulders and we're all standing in the same direction. I'm trying to pass a message up to the front mm -hmm. and get the message to the front and, and drive the vision, but I'm actually mm -hmm. in the back, making sure that everybody's okay. It's not me in the front or me being carried, like expecting and screaming at everybody. Yeah. Right? So I don't know if that makes sense, but to me, yeah, that's, that's what it's been. It's just, it's really supporting the people that support the vision. It's not them supporting me. I'm not sitting on vacation in Bali while my team is, you know, chugging away yeah that's the that's the misconception sometimes that i see in entrepreneurs as we start to hire so as we go from solopreneur to our first five to then 10 employees i see this paradigm shift that happens where 
there's a, there's a message in our entrepreneurial community that says, hey, find all the stuff you hate doing in your business, put it in a box, and therefore hire that person. Yeah. And then hand it off and never do it again. Yes. And step away, and now all of a sudden you get time freedom because you've just handed the shit you hate to somebody else. Yes. And you put it in a box and we titled it whatever we titled it. And that has been how I've watched a lot of people grow businesses and then get confused when they're not growing and scaling at the rate that they think they should, should be, whatever yeah. should be is for them. For me, the misconception is as we build sustainable structures and teams and us as founders, leaders of business step maybe up into a new seat or we claim what our new kind of responsibility is going to be, it's actually creating a space for our team to shine. And the whole quote that I love best is, our job when we become leaders is to lead our people and those people are running our business. Yeah. And so that's the paradigm shift that I, I see us miss a lot of the times is recognizing that we're not just stepping into a leadership role to give ourselves more time freedom so we can hang out in Bali. Right. We are giving ourselves more time freedom so we can step into the energy that we best support and serve in the world and we can double down on the things that we are uniquely gifted for. Yeah. And, our, and our job is to support and lead the team to actually drive the business. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think that's also much deeper than just like task assigning. That's it. Right? It's not just like you do this and you do this and here's what to do and here's what to do and get it done and let me know when it's done. It's really giving, um, I hate to just use the word like empowering, but it's our team lives in ownership. So when someone's in a particular role, like I want you to have full ownership of that role. And when you take on that role, we agree that like I'm literally passing this baton so that it is now yours and you get to grow it as big and as crazy mm -hmm. as you want. And it's your job, it's your responsibility to come back to me with new crazy, stupid ideas and mm -hmm. with new angles. And you're supposed to push back and you're supposed to say things to me of like, Jess, I don't know if that's the best idea or that doesn't really make sense right now or here's a different way to think about it. Mm -hmm. And we talk about it all the time. So many of our great ideas and launches that we have had in our business have come from not me. It's yes. other people on the team. And so I love watching someone on our team bring in an idea. We drive it through and bring it to fruition and then we have like success with it. And it's so cool to see that, well, this was so-and-so's idea and they're not mm -hmm. even in that role, right? Mm -hmm. Or they're not in that seat. Um, so yeah, I think leadership is, is that. And it's also just pouring back into our team, you know, whether it's buying continuing education or courses or yes. listening to like, what are they interested in? How can we foster that new interest? How can we get them more training mm -hmm. and continued support? You just said it, right? Leadership, the biggest paradigm shift is as a leader, ask better questions and listen more. Yeah. But isn't that everything? It's listening, right? Yes. So sometimes we believe that we have to create like these crazy engagement programs or these development plans and we create them from the paradigm of what we think people need without even asking, hey Jess, what's really meaningful to you? Yeah. What would make you feel recognized? What would feel good from a development standpoint? And it's in those conversations that the, in my opinion, the teams that really thrive get to customize those approaches for each individual. Yeah which is a beautiful thing, but it's it is, so it's that listening. It's listening. And I think that's the hardest part for most humans in general is listening. Uh, in every relationship. <laughs> literally, you meet someone new at an event, they say their name and you forget it right away because you're not actually listening. You're thinking about what you're going to say mm -hmm. or when they're going to ask you the question. Mm -hmm. It's like, we all do it. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. If you're in business, listen to your audience, like actually listen to their feedback, mm -hmm. take their surveys seriously and iterate from there. 
you taught me that uh, I, d I didn't come from, I came from corporate America and was an uh, executive in HR, transitioned into this world of, did an executive coaching master's thinking I was gonna coach CEOs of corporate America, realized that that wasn't where I wanted to play and found, my spa found myself in this online business space with you at a mastermind. And to me, at the beginning, it felt a bit like the Wild West. Yeah. I didn't know how to build an online business. I didn't understand the importance of digital presence or engagement or creating content that could be shared. And you and I did a session pretty early in my entrepreneur career where you taught me about organic community building yes. and driving that. I remember it. Like that was, was a, a We were in our pivotal. second New York apartment. Yes, you had the big windows. <laughs> the big windows with the Empire State Building. Oh, oh gosh, it was so, so beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, we sat and talked content pillars, I remember. And that was a big shift for me because one of the things that, just what we were talking about, about listing, you were like, but okay, hey, have you actually asked your people what they want yet? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Why would I do that? These thousands of people yeah. just waiting to hear from me? Maybe let's start there. Yeah. Maybe let's start creating content where they could select a poll that maybe had nothing to do with business or yeah. they could start to engage with you in just a more human connectivity standpoint. And that was a major shift for me. Is that still something I'm curious? Like, is that still something that is near and dear to your heart? Are you yeah. still teaching that? Yeah. The whole idea of organic versus, let's say, paid? Yeah, absolutely. It's like the 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 thread throughout our business. I okay. mean, it's a backslip for everything that we teach. So I'm not against paid ads. In fact, we play with them now. We have mm -hmm. for about a year, um, but we built the business up multiple, multiple, multiple seven figures without paid ads. Mm. And so and so have our clients. So our clients Beautiful. have, just even 13 of our clients have gone from zero to millionaire off of just organic social media marketing. So I'm a huge advocate for social Wait, media. stop. 13? Yeah. 13 millionaires? Isn't that crazy? Yes, I know. Heck yes, that, and that's the ripple effect, guys. Like, yeah. if you're listening to this right now, like that is the ripple effect. Jess is Jess and her entire team are here, not just yes to create abundance and a beautiful life for all of them and serve and give back in so many different ways, but the ripple of that is the 13 other humans have gone from zero to millionaire working with you. I know, in just a couple Ugh. years. Yeah, and that's just known revenue. So we're up to about 22 million without them. So about 22 million as a whole with our clients. And yeah, it's really cool. But, but Amazing. my point is, yes. yeah, we're teaching organic social media marketing. So the difference here is really organic would be anything on social media, email, text message. Yeah. You're not paying to be in this space. Paid stuff would be you're paying for ad spend. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. However, if you're listening, I would wait, I'd be very cautious to do anything with paid ads until you have proof of concept, that there's mm. market demand, your program or product is already built, you have testimonials, and you've run it a few times. Like you really do need to run it a few mm -hmm. times to have that clout, that credibility, before you just start throwing money at it. It's, you just don't need to do it. You really don't. Yeah. And you're paying to play against some pretty big players. Right. Who sometimes have budgets that are well, well, well beyond, yeah, really big, well beyond my Canadian loony that I'd be throwing in there. <laughs> yeah. So, and you just you don't need to. There's nothing right. wrong with it. Yes. And there's different types of ads. We don't need to get into that now. But yeah, you don't need to do it. So, organic social media marketing, when done well, is really effective. Mm -hmm. So, when you know what you're talking about and what problem you solve and who you're speaking to, then you can magically attract them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Manifest that. We bring it in. We call it in. <laughs> bring it bring in. It in. <laughs> bring it in. <laughs> well, I want to shift gears. Yeah. Can we? Always. Okay. So I know 
your backstory a little bit, but yeah. people listening might not. So you came from corporate America. What were you doing there? Yeah. And when did you decide to make the transition? Our stories have a lot of similarities. Yeah. And so because we've done this before. I know we've done. We've been here. We've done this. Coffees are just a normal this thing. This is not new. Yeah, you're just joining us on our chats now. Um, I made a transition out of pain as well. So I'll start there because I, I, that really landed with me when you were sharing your story. My backstory is I was an executive in corporate America, head down, really raced through the ranks, if you, if you will, in corporate America, because like you, I was told that was where the fulfillment was. That was where I could add value. That was where my worth was. Mm -hmm. The more I continued to expand, I thought I wanted this life of big titles and cars and houses and all the things. And in some ways, I do believe in abundance and I believe in the unlock of it. I just didn't realize how out of alignment I was doing it that way. Yeah. So my rock bottom was a manifestation of a brain tumor, a physical disease in the body, which in hindsight, so in this whole hindsight is 2020, looking back, for multiple years prior to that diagnosis, my body was screaming at me. Yeah. The internal dialogue kept showing up time and time again. The whispers were there. Everything was there. In, physical, in the physical world? In the physical world, yes. A little later in the physical world, but even in that intuitive ping. Yeah. The like gut call of Sunday scaries were very real. Yeah. I was nauseous going to work on Monday mornings. And then I would find my flow by Tuesday. And I would just be like, well, it's just another week. You put your head down, you grind. On Friday, you leave corporate. And if anybody's listening to this that can relate, like I was one human in corporate and then I was another human at home. And there was no intersection of like who I was as woman, who I was as friend intersected with business. It was yeah. like those things were separate and you kept your life separate from business. Yeah. So in that manifestation of my disease or a brain tumor, that's where I hit rock bottom. What year was that? That was 2012. Wild. Yeah, 2012, October 25th, 2012. Wow, ooh, I have chills. Yeah, it ooh. was It was very, uh, the day is walk into a doctor's office, sit down. I had spent my corporate career in HR. I knew what a room felt like when there was gonna be a heavy message delivered. Mm. There's an energy to everything. Yeah. And there was an energy of that room. It was dense. It was sterile. It just, it, I could feel something coming. And that doctor told me a lot of things. All I heard was, you have a brain tumor. Yeah. Everything else went black. I don't know what was said beyond that. I remember walking out of the hallway of the doctor's office feeling like it was closing in on me. And after a very dark stint where you talk about like the bottom or like starting from zero, it got dark for a while. Yeah. And there was a lot of victim mentality and woe is me and how did this get created? And I thought I had just hit it, right? I thought I had just got the title and the salary and all these things. And here I was on my bedroom floor having a panic attack about the fact that I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And that started this inner dialogue of really questioning what is life all about? Yeah. What's the legacy I wanna leave? How do I wanna live this life? And in fact, at the time, to be very transparent, I didn't know how much life I had to, I didn't know if it was cancerous, non-cancerous, yeah. I didn't have that information. And so the fear of that, I had had discussions and been around mortality before, had, had seen death, but I'd never questioned my own. Right. And I think that paradigm shift of realizing that like at some point in time, we will all die. Yeah. That is the thing we have in common, but we're not talking about it. 
that shift of realizing that today is my greatest gift because it unlocked this deeper inner work that had to happen for me to sit here 10 years later. Well, you chose it. I chose it. You could have ignored it, right? To be here 10 years later and to say, hey, are we still working on some physical things? Heck yes, we are. It's a journey. But the brain tumor we have healed, which is a beautiful thing. I know. I'm going to cry. I know, which I'm so grateful for. Had a lot of help along the way. Yeah. And it's led me to have a new perspective in life and friendship and in just like the souls I want to spend my time with, including you. Ugh. Woo. Okay, now I have ch- we, chills. Uh, can we talk for a second, though? Are you open to talking about that healing journey? Yes, absolutely. I'm an open book at this point. Yeah. Well, so did you take a traditional route at first, mm-hmm. or did you kind of go an unconventional route for this healing? Because I know where I know how it ended, mm-hmm. but where did it start? Um, it started in the conditioned paradigms, which is I had a lot of conditioning in life that I had to like debunk and really question and yeah. start to delayer and peel back the onion. So for me, it started in the doctor's office and down the route of we'll call it Western medicine, which was see an endocrinologist and your two options are this. We found out it was non-cancerous. So that was a step in, in the direction yeah. of like, okay, it's here. It's impacting a lot of things in your physicality, but it's not meant to fully take you out. Like it is here to wake up and a lesson and all those great things. So here were the options. Leave it in and take medication, which is medication, which they didn't tell me once I did research on it was essentially radiation. Wow. Once a week. Wow. Every week for the rest of your life. What? Yeah. And how old were you at the time? Uh, 26. (sighs) Okay. Or... We'll do open brain surgery. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Here's your options, go. Like that, those were the options that were presented. But how did you not say yes to, to one of those? I did. Okay. I went down the route of the medication. Got it. I, I felt no deep connection to doing open brain surgery. Sure. And like to a lot of people who have brain tumors, that is the only option. And they have to, depending on where it is. Mine was an adenoma in my pituitary gland. And so could do it a a bit differently. Didn't have to do full open head, could go through the nose. There was, I know, there was a lot there. But anyways, um, the medication is where I started, but here's what that led to. It led to me taking medication every Thursday night, being on my tail for three days, getting back up on my feet on Monday and going back to work, this work that was out of alignment because I hadn't quit my job the minute this happened and constantly running that cycle of feeling like garbage for three days every week. And that is where I was in so much pain. I just thought there has to be another way. And for me, it was very serendipitous. I, as an athlete, ended up in a massage therapy um, room getting RMT one day. And this woman who was so incredibly gifted came to me and said, I don't know if you've ever heard of this or if you're even open to this or interested, but I also do Reiki. It's oh. an energy healing. And I feel like, although you're here for a massage day, I'm actually feeling called to offer this to you if you're open to it. Wow. Here's the thing, Jess. Had somebody done that two years prior? You wouldn't have been open. I would have been like, uh, excuse me, I got a 60-minute massage that I booked. <laughs> So like hard pass. Yeah. I don't know what kind of woo you're talking you're like, about. You do the Reiki. I'm gonna keep this earplug in because I'm on. I'm on a meeting. I'm on a meeting. I'm back to back today. So like I only got six, 59 minutes now, lady. So that would have been my response. Sure. But because 
I was a bit broken. I had cracks in my foundation now. All of a sudden, these cracks allowed a new sense of light to come through, a new openness to just say, well, heck, why not? And that yes led to so many other yeses, which led me to a yoga studio in Florida with Dr. Joe Dispenza, who became one of my very first teachers about healing. It's amazing. And led me to a lot of other practitioners who helped along the way, but it changed my philosophy. Instead of going the traditional route, it integrated a combination of traditional and Eastern medicine to recognize that for my folks that are a little bit more woo, my tumor was smack dab in my pituitary gland, which just so happens to be your third eye. I was so cut off to any intuition and like seeing beyond this world I thought I knew. And so it really expanded me when it comes to energetics and manifestation and the healing that can happen when we allow ourselves the put ourselves in environments that allow for it. Yeah, Ugh, such a, the, the whole story, every time you tell it, I, I cry. And I can just feel it. I can feel it all. Like such an empath. When did you leave corporate? Like at what point in that journey did you decide to leave corporate? And did you leave? I know you left, you know, partially because of discomfort and pain. But did you leave to go create something else? Or did you leave to give yourself space to heal? I left. I left to give myself space. Okay. So like you, I didn't have this robust plan. I didn't have this great thing planned out of the things I was going to go do. I just knew because all of a sudden I started to listen to my intuition in the healing process, my intuition had been screaming at me for so long saying, this is not it. You are living out of alignment. And although you may not have the answer today, what could it look like if you gave yourself a bit of grace and space to actually just hold an open template to say, what could that look like? Funny enough, we laughed about Bali. A lot of that like <laughs> realization came in Bali for me when I like did a trip to Bali and did a lot of, of like I I sorry I friend. Did open. Um, but when I came back, I decided that I was leaving corporate. Wow. And um, it all. What's interesting about the timing of it all is the minute I left corporate and stepped into a more, we'll call it feminine energy for lack of better, like for those that are listening, I was more in tune with my intuition and listening to my gut. A few months later, the brain tumor started to heal. I got pregnant with twins and I was birthing a business. Wild. To like create, it just unlocked this creativity that had been stifled for years. Insane. Insane. I know. And then I met you just after. Not too long. Not too long. What, two years? Two years after that. That was 2016. Yeah. Ended like end of 2016. And two years later we met and I was navigating this online space. And honestly, I started in the online space as a coach. Yep because I didn't know what other way to go. I had done an executive coaching masters, assumed that that could translate into the online business. And what I didn't realize in hindsight today is that my gifting was actually in people. Yes. And I held it at arm's length for so long out of fear that I would revert back to the woman I was in corporate America. Oh, that's, that's a sound bite right there. That's yeah. really powerful because I, I, so many people do that. I think so yeah. many people do that. And, you know, we always say you can't read a prescription bottle from the inside. Mm -hmm. So being an outsider, it's really easy to see in you, like, of course, that's what you're good at. Of course, Mm -hmm. you're a people person. What do you mean you're doing this coaching? You could be doing all this other (laughs) stuff. But when you're inside, number one, you might not be able to see it. And number two, you might not want to. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I I didn't realize that that was hidden in me. It was almost like I like put a straight arm to it and said, nope, it's not even available. Yeah. And then I was in this world in these rooms of entrepreneurs and I would, I would 
we would do breakout sessions. Yep. And it would come up and I would be like, okay, well, like, what are the values of what, what's your corporate culture? Like, what are the values of your company? <laughs> and people would answer. I would say like, well, like, why do you need to do that? If we just create some clarity around who you need in your business, we can really unlock you to go do what you're meant to be. And you have jaws on floors. And I was coaching in a people oriented way. And I had created a framework of business growth and strategy, which was what's your mission? Where are you today? Where are you going tomorrow? And who are the people that unlock that growth <laughs> that walk you across you that bridge? It so simple. So we named the company Digital Business Evolution because we're always evolving and growing. Yes. And we believe our businesses are a reflection of our own personal growth. Mm. So if you take me back to 2019 mm -hmm. and then take us all the way to today, yeah. 2023, how has the business changed and the way that you show up in the business coming from kind of, I think I'm just going to do this coaching yeah. to now where you are today? Oh my gosh. Yeah. One of our, one of our uh, coaches um, who we've worked with both for years, Chris Harder, sat me down at one point in time and said, I think you're confusing people because you're running this like business coaching over here and you're still <laughs> consulting people in, you know, startup kind of spaces on this side and you're kind of flip flopping. So like, what one are we doing? And are, you got to go all in. And it was that moment. It just like blew It came out of me. I said, my gifting is people. And that was uh, April 2020. Wait, hold on though. Yes. How did you get beyond yourself if you had this sort of straight arm fear of, I don't want to go back there? Ooh, yeah. Was there something that you did? Is there some tactical thing? Is there a journal prompt? Like, how did you get beyond <laughs> the, okay, my intuitive instinct answer was people, but I've been holding myself back from people because yeah. of XYZ. So how'd you move? I mean, it was an amalgamation of so many things. Oh, what a good word. <laughs> Just that dictionary <laughs> SAT prep, which I can adjust. Mm. It really was. It was all of the <laughs> Don't spit your coffee out on our first coffee chat. No one's coming back. Amalgamation. Uh, Sorry, I love you. Go it ahead. was this whole blend. We'll use, different... we'll use a different word. But it really was because it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. Just like you said, there was five years people don't see when you're like, okay, cool. Just as a millionaire, she does it in 18 months. Uh, I would like that. Sign me up. <laughs> um, you know, like they didn't see the five years that preceded that. Yeah. And that was the same as me. It was all the work that had been stacked in advance of that, of investing myself, doing the inner work, doing spiritual work, doing inner um, like childhood trauma work, really digging into what was showing up for me that I realized somewhere in between 2019 and 2020, oh shit, I'm straight arming this gifting I have because I'm terrified. Yes. So and it's awareness. It was that awareness and realizing full circle that I don't have to step into people and do it that way. I actually have choice to create it however I want. Yeah. And that permission, we talked about permission with you as well, giving myself that permission unlocked everything for me to go and create the business how I wanted it, with who I wanted, in what, like, and to really cultivate a different energy around not just people's strategy and helping people figure out who they need, but then on the back end, creating an agency to actually go find those leaders for them. When you were doing the kind of coaching before that, or yes. trying to do the coaching or whatever, putting the coaching out there, did that feel harder and heavier than when you finally just sort of accepted and leaned into the people side of things? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like a big uphill battle. Here was the thing. Here was, and like I mean this with all, all love in, in the industry and the space. I was one of 
I don't even know, 100 million coaches. Hi. <laughs> but like she also had some credibility behind her. Um, and I kept hitting these walls of like, well, what do I do that's different? And how, what is my niche? And people kept asking, you asked me like, well, who do you serve? And I'm like, oh God, it feels like a box. And I don't really know how to do yeah. this. And it didn't feel right. And I kept getting to the same point. And I will openly share, like I kept getting to about $200,000, $250,000 in my business and I couldn't break through it. Yeah. Upper limit. And it was just like, boom, it just kept coming. And I was like, I don't know what I have to do to shift this. And I had to literally burn the boat or the bridge once again and get rid of that money, which felt like, gosh, like that was my salary replaced from a corporate America job. I never thought that that was possible. So I had to burn that to create something new and start fresh. But the ease of which, one, I I had so much confidence in the space. I led talent for PepsiCo. So like I had so much confidence, I had credibility. My background gave me that credibility. I'm grateful for that background and that foundation. And that shifted everything because now I was calling in a different type of client who was the founder ready to bring on their executive team and didn't know how to do that, maybe had not come from business and I could coach and support their growth in that. So do you have something, like this magical thing that other people don't have because there are people listening right now doing the eye roll, doing the under the breath, like it must be nice for you mm. because it sounds like there was a switch that flipped. And when you, when you flipped the switch, it also meant, like you just said, you had to burn the bridge again yeah. Yeah. and you had to sort of let go of that, that certainty and that 250,000 salary that was coming in that you now were creating. You didn't have a boss, right? But Correct. you were creating it. So you must have something that I don't have because I just can't. You don't understand, Jackie. I have fill in the blank kids. I have a mortgage. I have this. I have that. So is there something that you just have that other people don't? Or is it something that could be taught? What do you think? I mean, do I have something that other people don't? Hell no. (laughs) I'm sitting here hoping to be an example of somebody who when you can see that like I had to burn the bridges multiple times to finally figure it out, like how I could serve in the best way. And that's what it always came down to. I laughed my last name service and like the universe is like smacking me upside the head being like, when are you going to get it girlfriend? You're just actually here to serve people. And how can you serve best? And I had to keep asking myself that question of like, what is my gifting? How do I serve best? And In my past, I approached people in a very masculine way. And as I've created this business, it's been just as much, yes, the skill set I bring as it has been the intuition. Yeah. And so it's been a blend of both. But babe, I am no freaking different than anybody that's like right here or listening into this at any any point in time. You should see what it looks like behind the scenes. (laughs) We are very real and normal people. (laughs) We are. We tried three locations before we landed at the table. But there's no magic switch. I think it was giving myself permission to go all in on kind of the scary thing that had been in my body the entire time, which to me, I use a language like alignment. I I finally hit it and I'm still in the journey of figuring it all out. I don't have all the answers. What? What? That's why we're here today. (laughs) Get the dictionary out. We need more words. Amalgamation. That's going to be the title of the episode. It is. The amalgamation of. So now we have an agency model. Now we have. Which I'm obsessed with. Okay, cool. Tell me about it. 
Yeah, so now I have an agency model. Essentially what I do is, uh, you could think of it like this. I, I almost have like a front-end consultancy yeah. where I will go into businesses, assess what's happening, really understand the leaders, the vision of the company. I'm a big believer and I can't help you with people until I know your business. Mm. And I can't know your business until I know your mission. Ooh. What if someone doesn't have a clear mission? Do you help with that? We work with that. So we really cultivate, why do you do what you do? What's the purpose behind this business? What are your core values? How do you want to pull that out from a business entity standpoint? And then that flows into, here's my current reality. Here's where I want to take this. Because often, I'm sure you do, you and Mike also have like a vision for growth of where you want to take your business, your executive team. And then my brain, for whatever reason, the gifting I have is this like ability to put puzzle pieces together. I see it visually in my third eye. I see the puzzle pieces in an org chart <laughs> modality of like, oh, if, we just, floating if we just shift this and shift that, that unlocks this and that and creates time and freedom in your business. It's what, I, obviously, um, it's like how you see organic social yes. media and how you create courses yes. is how I see puzzle pieces of people. It's yeah. just what our gifting is. Yeah. And so that's the, you know, that's today what I do is I'll work on the strategic side, consultancy side first. And on the back end of that, I, I will ultimately hand people a playbook to go hire themselves. So example, you might have somebody on your team who's actually epic at hiring talent because they've done it in their past or they just yeah. are naturally really gifted Mike. at it. Mike, um, so you don't need me to go find the talent. So I hand you the playbook and you go, mm. right? And then Mike can and I templates and all the good things to support sure. him. And there's a lot of leaders who say, this is new for me and I've never done this before. And, and or I don't have the time yeah. is often a big one. And so they'll hire our agency to actually go and fulfill that talent. So to hire the talent for them. Done for you. Done for you. But do you also do done with you? If you can hold my hand, I'm not ready. I need um, a little help. A little bit, yeah. yeah. We're starting to bring that more to the forefront because people are asking for it. Yeah. Primarily where we've started though is front-end strategy work Got it. and back-end like full-scale service for people. Yeah. What would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make either, and I wanted this question for one thing, and now I kind of want it for another, so I'm just going to double ask you. So big mistakes or common mistakes that you see in when people are creating a mission or vision, Mm -hmm. because I think we think of it as something it might not be. Mm -hmm. And then also second question would be big mistakes that you see with just hiring or org charts in general. Yeah. Mission first. I think often we don't put our mission before our business. So we think about how can I create money or where can I create money or what's the next program I can create to create money. And we don't link it back to why. Yeah. Why do you do what you do? And a lot of the times what I see when people start answering that question is they go right here. Oh, well, I'm doing this because I'm creating some jobs or whatever right. they're saying. They go right to their head. Right. And for me, a mission is so much deeper than that. It's energetic. And so a big piece of what I think my healing process, which gave me access to a lot of modalities within healing, is moving a leader from their head to their heart. Yes. And asking that question differently until we can really cultivate and pull out the true why. And you see that in somebody's facial expressions, the emotions that come through when we actually hit it. Mm. Once we get that, that becomes the pillar to all else. Then we can filter your current reality of your business through that mission and say, are we doing things that feel in alignment with that? And a lot of the times it's, it's not everything. There's, sure. there's definitely things that are like, absolutely. And there may be some low hanging fruit that's like, yeah. oh, it makes so much more sense now that I have clarity. Yeah. So ask clarity better. precedes everything. Yeah. We always say ask better questions, get better answers. hundred percent. The quality of your life is dependent on the quality of the questions that you ask. Amen. It'd be the same thing in business. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. I love that. I know. Uh, oh, is it, go, go ahead. ahead. No. I know one of the big things that people get tripped up on, myself included, is when someone says, like, what's your mission or what's your company vision five years from now, ten years from Mm -hmm. now? It's very overwhelming. Totally. And you're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's really, that's too big for me. Yeah. So I love that you just broke it down. It's really that head and heart coherence, if you will. And and it's always evolving. So it's not a stagnant, like, it's not stagnant. And that's, we have to give ourselves permission to realize, like, who you're going to be in a year and who your business is in a year could be very evolved from what we're this first coffee chat. I hope it is. I hope it is too. <laughs> and that mission can grow with you. Right. And so that's why I say like, this isn't, you know, if you're in corporate America, this isn't a, a mission we write and we slap up on the wall right. that people read in the boardroom. Yes. This is like, how is it integrated and created through all of our, like it's actually in the fabric of our business. Yeah. It's Ooh, it, I love that. in who we become. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of the who we become yeah. in the business also. And then how we make decisions. Yeah. It's like, that's why we have it's the filter. Values. It's yeah. the, filter the filter of like, yeah. hey, let's all sit into this. And when you have teams that are invested in creating that mission, then they get to hold you accountable. Yes. And say, hey, Jess, does that feel right right now? Is that in alignment with our mission? It's good. And they challenge us they as leaders, which yes. is the greatest gift you can ever have when it you bring really the right is. people in. It really is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Couple question, uh, couple mistakes or, or challenges that people yeah. come up against in just hiring <laughs> or team. And I know there's a lot, an there's org lot. chart. We just went through a, we had a little whoopsie where we had some people sitting in the same seat that we didn't realize. Okay. And it was after a very big launch that we had okay. that shines some light because that's what they do when you have mm-hmm. challenges mm-hmm. in the business. It's just light <laughs> being shined on things you haven't mm-hmm. seen before. It's just a little flashlight. So mm-hmm. fortunately we saw the light shining and we said, wow, how did that happen? And when we started to kind of unpack it, we realized, oh my goodness, two people have been sitting in the same seat for about six months or a year, and we didn't wow. realize it. Mm-hmm. So we made a shift real quick, and it, it cleaned it up wow. real fast. And did it unlock some things yeah, for the team? absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. I love that. Um, biggest mistake is I see, and there's different, sta- different stages of business that I see you know, different mistakes, but if I went to like some of the core ones, it's reactive hiring. Never did that. (coughs) I I teach this stuff and I've done it. Um, I was being facetious. I know. Oh, get the dictionary. Dictionary. (laughs) Oh my gosh, we're going to have quite the title. Um, So reactive hiring, meaning I put it off for so long because I'm just going to do the things and the 15 minute ankle biter tasks are just going to be the things that I keep doing over and over and over again, not realizing it's actually taking three hours of your day. Yeah. And then we get so burnt out or so frustrated by the process. We wake up one day in so much pain. We go, hands up. I need to hire somebody. <laughs> and I read a book that said my first hire is an executive assistant. So I'm just going to go do that. Yep. And we don't think through who we actually need and how that person's going to unlock uh, growth in the business. So it's this reactive hiring. We put our head down. We throw a job description up on every platform we can think of. And we magically think a unicorn is going to show up and we end up hiring and more times than not in that situation, it becomes the wrong hire and the amount of time and energy invested in that person becomes taxing. Now I have CEOs who think leadership is a burden, not a gift because of how tired they are after hiring that first person reactively. And now they're afraid to hire again. It's a cycle. It's so, so true. I've been there and I've watched so many of my clients there too. And we do the same thing 
in business without hiring. Mm -hmm. So we get into reactive launching. We get into yes. reactive creation. It's like, oh my God, I need to make money right now. So I'm going to launch something right now as opposed to being proactive and actually planning out, mm -hmm. you know, one to three income producing activities a quarter and knowing where you're going. So, you know, they say hire slow and fire fast. Yeah. They're right. <laughs> yeah. Claire's, clarity always proceeds. So having the clarity first is going to create, I say boxes before people. So what's the box that you actually need to create? I have to fix this. Fix me. There's just, you know. Okay. This is what friendship is. Oh, well, you have like a loop. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> just ready to go. What is her name? Cindy Lou Who? Yeah. <laughs> just watch The Grinch with my six-year-olds. It's fine. Um, so that whole mentality of clarity proceeds. So yeah. boxes before people. We need to get the clarity on the box first. But again, we can't figure out that box until we understand where you are today and where you want to go tomorrow because that unlock is really the box that needs to get created. Yeah. Once we have that box, now all of a sudden we can create said job description or said expectations of what this person's going to do. Listen, I understand that there's job boards out there. They're lovely. They're great. But posting and praying does not work. In social media either. Okay. Post <laughs> and pray. Ooh, I hope this one hits. <laughs> like maybe this one's going viral. <laughs> it doesn't work, friends. And so that mentality of once you have clarity, once you have proactivity, now you can always be hiring is something I say all the time, which that. is you're at dinner with a bunch of friends and you share, Hey, I'm hiring this new uh, director of operations in my business. And somebody at that table goes, Oh my gosh, I know somebody. And now you're not just hiring somebody on precedent that they're a friend. You can actually vet if they are the right person, have the right skill sets and the right cultural fit based on the job description you created. I love that. So that's this like continuous loop that I essentially am pulling out those things. And the last one I'll say is ego. Ooh, <laughs> go ahead. Letting go of control. Yeah. Because when you create something and it's yours, I say I birthed babies and businesses at the same time. Like it literally is your it's your creation. Yeah. There's such a deep connectivity to it at such a raw level that to like take the claws out and fully let go is a death of an ego yeah. and a letting go of control. It is. And there's like nothing more, like it just stings when you get a piece of feedback or a client gets or does not get a result and you feel like, oh my gosh, I, I will never forget our signature program in power. We were probably in round three and a client asked in the feedback at the end, like, hey, do you think that we could have a syllabus? It'd be really helpful for a syllabus. And my initial reaction was like, oh, I clearly know what I'm doing. I'm the one who put this program together. You don't need a syllabus. And then do I you know who I am? It, right? <laughs> and then I sat with it and I was like, wow, mm. shame on me. I was a teacher for eight years and I just put this course together without a syllabus. And so from that piece of feedback, when I could put my ego aside, I then created, you know, not just a syllabus, but a 20 page workbook. And then it Amazing. turned into a 40 and then a 50 and now it's a 150 page book, but it came from that feedback. And if I thought, if I wasn't open to receiving it and removing my ego, then I'd have this big head that I'm doing it right. My way is the best way. Mm -hmm so good mm -hmm. i think we're like coming up on the hour here and we can do this all well, day it's only it's only episode one of the coffee <laughs> we chat can do this all day what do you have going on right now what's exciting fun how can people find you yeah i love that so i just launched my own podcast which whoop, whoop. this is going out on the jackie service show i love it and jackie service 
everything Jackie Service across all platforms, but Jackie Service on Instagram, LinkedIn, and then JackieService.com. I have some great resources if you're ever thinking about hiring, if you want clarity, looking at org charts, job descriptions, interview guides, all that stuff's on my website free. So grab them first, get yourself all squared away before you reactively hire again. Um, but I'm always here. I love dialogue. I yes. love conversations. So I'll put your open freebies heart. into the show notes of our podcast. Yes, but and also, vice versa. Service is not spelled the way that we spell it in like regular writing. It's not. S-E-R-V-I-C-E. Yeah, I'm Canadian. We do things different. <laughs> so can you spell it for everybody? It's S E R V I S S. Unique. <laughs> People think it's service because they're like, "Are you French Canadian?" I'm like, "No, we're just playing Jane Service over here." Okay. Got it. I know. Love it. And what about yourself? What's going on? I know yeah. you have some launches coming up in March, but yeah. give me the goods. What's happening yeah. in your world? So our signature program in power that yes. I was talking about will be opening. We open that twice a year. So that'll be opening up in late April, May, which means that twice a year we do a huge, oh, totally nice. free virtual event, which I'm really excited about. So definitely come to the event. We could drop that information. But more importantly, I want you to get your hands on something right now, something tactical. So we've been talking a lot about organic social media marketing. Mm-hmm. And with that also comes email marketing. And so when you are on social media, those are lists that you borrow, meaning if Zucks decides Decides to shut it down or your account gets hacked or it goes it's happened. for the day. It has happened. It's happened. Then you lose the ability to contact your people. It's really important that we're building email lists because mm-hmm. those are lists that we own. So we have an incredible 10-part series. It's a really cool training. It tells you exactly how to build an email list, why, where. There's tutorials on all the tech stuff. So if you're not tech savvy like me, I got your back and cool. it's, it's really special. So we'll definitely put that training in. Amazing. Jess, I love you more than I can say. Thank you for this conversation and just being a woman who I get to lean on and call when I'm moving through my own dark nights of the soul or the really exciting moments as well. So thank you for this. Retweet. Retweet, Oprah. I love you. (laughs) Love you too. Thank you. And as always, friends, cheers to your evolution. Cheers. Thank you for listening in to today's show. If there was a key message that landed with you, please share or send us a direct message on Instagram at Jackie Service and let us know. We love hearing from you. Also, to continue to keep this podcast growing, it would mean the world if you could take a minute and like and rate the show or share it with a friend. Our team is forever grateful. Until next time, we'll see you again on the Jackie Service Show.